Welcome to Lakeland Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Lakeland, please visit our website at lakeland.church. Well, here we are, week two of Summer Playlist. Uh, I hope you enjoyed week one. I know a lot of people were super pumped just to uh, pump up the music. We kind of threw it out there, said, what's your favorite song to pump up in the car as you take off, roll down the windows? And uh, that's, this series has been a little bit about that. That's where we're going to be going. It's just kind of giving you a fun song to just uh, anchor your heart to all week, along with some truths that we just are diving into in, in Scripture. Uh, but this week, before we dive into this week's song. A few things to just let you know about. I'm super excited. Uh, If you missed kind of the pre-service stuff, we've got some exciting things coming. We're going to be getting back together here pretty soon, and I'm excited about that. Church in the Park, July 5th is going to be happening. want to invite you all to that, as well as the following week, we're going to be returning here and uh, having our services in person. And so uh, more details on our website. Make sure to go check those out to see about in-service Um, services coming up. Of course, we'll be live streaming throughout all of this. If you just love watching in your jammies or around uh, your kitchen table or however it is, we'll continue to be streaming. But a couple things, man, God's doing some good things. I I got this email. Sometimes I just like to share some wins and I hear wins all the time, but I want to share one with you that I just thought was so cool. This is not from someone who attends our church. It was just a local teacher who emailed us this, uh, this email. She said this, Once again, from a teacher's perspective, she said, I've been the wife of a police officer for the last 22 years, and I'm extremely proud of my husband and his profession. Typically, I don't worry too much about uh, his work, knowing that uh, he's well-educated and highly trained, but with the current situation, my concerns and worries have grown. Uh, He came home the other day from work saying that there were tons of treats dropped off at the sheriff's office by members of your church. And the fact that the members of your congregation took the time to bake goodies, buy water, and simply uh, just thank the men and women at the sheriff's department is more meaningful than they'll ever know. They are the reason the deputies go to work every day and do their jobs. From the bottom of my heart and the hearts of everyone at the sheriff's office, thank you for your continued support, love, and prayers. They are greatly appreciated. And I I just love that. I mean, I would from at home, just give it up for uh, the, the people. And, and here's the beauty of it. I don't even know who did that. I don't know if it was an individual or a group of people or a small group, but here's what's so cool. I, I share that with you because I want to just maybe plant something in you right now that you'd think, oh, we, we could just do this. That as a family or as a small group, that we could go love on some individuals and just be Christ to them. And here's what's so cool about this. Every time you do that, you set someone's heart up to become soft for the gospel to be planted in their life and for God to work there. And I'm just so excited about that. So proud of of the people of Lakeland who, who do that and love like Christ in our community. Also, it's Father's Day. If you've got a dad that's in the house with you, hey, just yell it, yell and give it up for our fathers. Give it up for your father. If your dad is in the room with you, you just go tackle your dad right now. Go give him a hug. Go. Run, run, run. Go do it. I'm just, I'm just, I can't believe, I got two kids on the stage. No, oh. <laughs> oh, oh, thank you. I had no idea that you would do this for me. Oh, that's so nice. They, they had no idea if like they could. So, I'll get more love the rest of the week, but thank you guys for for doing that. 
Uh, it's fun to just be with our kids. I, I love it. It's a joy being a dad. Uh, I'm, I, I love, the, I, I just say I love you to my dad as well as my father-in-law. They're men of God uh, who have modeled a love for Jesus, a passion for life and adventure, and just love you guys. Uh, today, we continue in this series, um, Summer Playlist. And the song of the week, I know you've been waiting for it all week long. Some of you saw it earlier on Facebook, but give me a drum roll wherever you're at. Come on, give it to me, give it to me. Is Graves in the Gardens. Hey! <laughs> we've, been, we've done Graves in the Gardens a few times, and I just love this song. Here's uh, my son Reese just talking a little bit about what, how much he loves it and why. Go check it out. Hey, Lakeland. This week, we're going to be singing Graves in the Gardens by Elevation Worship, featuring Brandon Lake. And my absolute favorite part of this song is the bridge where it says, You turn mourning to dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only one who can. You turn graves into gardens. You turn seas into highways. You turn bones into armies. You're the only one who can. And what I think is so beautiful about that is it reveals and highlights two very beautiful truths. That one, God is in the business of redeeming that which Satan has destroyed in his creation. And two, he is the only one who can do it. And oh, how amazing it is. I love this song as well. It is just a super sweet song that speaks to the story of really how God is redeeming all things. And he's turning what seems like a complete loss into a complete victory. And uh, here's the deal. If you've ever wondered, can God turn a life around? Maybe for you, you're thinking, can God turn this life around? Or maybe you're thinking of someone else. Can God turn that life around? Can God do anything from where I'm at? Or maybe you've faced some really hard times, or maybe you're currently facing some really hard times, and you're wondering, where's God in the midst of all this? Well, I want to answer that question for you today. And if maybe you're not in a tough spot, you're like, hey, life is good right now. Well, then here's the deal. You need to store this away for the day that you are facing the storm because on that day, you're going to have to remind your heart that this is what God is up to. And we're actually going to, today we're going to look at an individual whose story is kind of a massive train wreck and uh, how God is really in the midst of it, using it for something incredibly great. And the person that we're looking at is Joseph, not the, the earthly father of Jesus, but the Joseph in the Old Testament that the musical was uh, about, Joseph in the technical or dream coat, that Joseph. That's the guy that we're going to be looking at. And um, we're going to actually start by going to the end of his story, and then we're going to hop back to the beginning. But here's one of the famous kind of verses at the end of his story. Let's check it out here in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. It says this, you intended to harm me. He's talking to his brothers at this point, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And so while it looked like it was a, a train wreck, like the brothers were after him and going to do something horrible. God actually had a great plan of redemption through it all. And you need to know, and let's just go back to that verse real, real quick here. Because you, what you need to know about this verse is that this was a 23-year journey to make this statement. It, it's not like this happened overnight. This was, hey, I, I've come to this understanding that this was your plan to harm me, but God intended it for my good. And that was a 23-year journey before he made that statement from the moment that he knew God had a good plan for him to the moment he was, spoke those words. It was quite a journey. It's not always 
overnight. And, and it was 23 years waiting for a dream that God had given him to come into fulfillment. And so it really starts in Genesis chapter 37. And let me just kind of set up the, uh, the context here. So Joseph actually is the youngest of 12 brothers. And he, God has uh, this really sweet thing that he's kind of given to Joseph. He gives him these dreams and the ability to interpret and understand his dreams. And his dreams, he has multiple dreams that represent really his brothers and his dad even bowing down before to him. And now maybe Joseph made a mistake here by telling them the dream, but he did. He, he kind of told them the dream, and it was probably a mistake because in that day and age, uh, normally the younger sibling would always serve the older sibling and the parents. And so when he's saying, you're going to bow down to me, it was really offensive, actually. And it, the, the end result is his older brothers ended up hating him because of even having these dreams. Now, before we hop into this, and you're going to see the many graves that Joseph is going to kind of face in life, I want you to remember this one statement. Here's kind of our big statement of the day. Big idea is this. God always provides a grace when you face the grave. God always provides a grace for you when you face the grave. And in Romans chapter 8 verse 28, it says this, and we know that in all things, everyone say all things, say it loudly, all things, God works for the good. Everyone say good. I, I didn't hear you from home. Say Good. You guys are kind of weak here too, okay. Uh, for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. God works all things for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. Now here's the thing you need to know, is that God has extended good things to all of humanity. Here's, here's some of the things he has extended to everyone. He extends his love. Jesus laid down his life for everyone. He offers forgiveness to everyone. He longs for relationship with everyone. These are the ways that he's extending good things to everyone. But here's the deal. For those who love God back, he makes a promise here in Romans chapter 8 that he will work all things in your life for your good and for his good. He doesn't work all things for the good of everyone on the planet, but he is offering good things to everyone on the planet. But he does promise to everyone who loves him back, I got a promise for you. I'm working everything for your good. And so let's check out kind of Joseph's journey toward the good that God ends up working in his life. But it starts with many graves, if you will. So let's check out kind of Joseph's first grave. Genesis chapter 37, verse 18 through 20. This is what it says. But they, being Joseph's brothers, because remember they hated him because he told them that they were going to bow down to him. They saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Okay, so uh, these guys are literally uh, planning to kill him. He is literally facing the grave. But then one of his brothers speaks up in the next verses, and this is what it says. When Reuben heard this, that's one of his brothers, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Continue on. Uh, Reuben said this to rescue him from them and to take him back to his father. So Reuben had a plan. He wanted to save his brother and take him home. Now remember the statement, God always provides a grace when you face the grave. Now here's the deal. When Reuben throws out this idea, let's just throw him into the cistern. Just, just think about this for a moment. The cistern in this moment is a grace compared to the grave that he was facing, literal death, right? Right? 
The, the cistern is actually a grace. Now here's the deal. Being thrown into the cistern, does that sound like fun? <laughs> Any of you? No, it, it really isn't fun. And here's, what I, here's kind of the, my observation, is that sometimes we look at our situation and we go, this stinks, and you actually might be right. It, the situation you might be in the middle of might actually stink. However, is it possible that God might have already extended a grace to you that what you're facing is not as bad as what it could have been? Is it possible that the cistern you find yourself in is actually a grace because that is better than death? See, this, this is what he does. The cistern is actually a grace compared to being killed. And have you ever thought that the thing that you're whining about today may actually be a grace from a grave that you were facing yesterday? So Joseph, he's not killed. He's thrown into the cistern. And then all of a sudden, a group of Ishmaelites, they are a different kind of group of uh, nation of people. Uh, they come walking on by and check out what his brothers do. This is verse 27. Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites. They're like, hey, instead of just throwing him into the cistern and him dying there, uh, maybe many days from now, uh, let's make some money off of this and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother. He's our own flesh and blood, and his brothers agreed. And so he is sold into slavery at this moment. Now, now here's the deal. So the cistern becomes a grace compared to death. And now, are you ready for this? God provides for Joseph slavery. Yay! Do you ever think that slavery is a grace? But it was. Because listen, the cistern was a grace compared to death, but slavery is a grace compared to the cistern. Right? God's saying, I'm, I'm providing a greater life than being lost and perhaps dying in a cistern. Uh, and this life will be in a life of slavery, but it's actually a grace to him. God always provides a grace whenever you face the grave. Yes, he's in slavery, but notice the grace that God places upon him, even in slavery. Genesis chapter 39, verse 1. Now, when Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. So now, here, here's the amazing thing. God is always, always provides a grace whenever you face a grave. And the grace is not always just that you make it through the moment that you're going through, the difficulty that you're going through. But here's how I would describe the grace. This is what we're going to see every time in, in Joseph's life, is that the grace always is, is accompanied with God being with him or God's presence and God's purposes. God always says, here, here will be my presence and here's my purpose upon your life. This is what we always see. God is with him and God is producing something in him. So God is with Joseph in Potiphar's house and then he's even going to produce something good. He's going to bless Joseph in his endeavors there. So Joseph's put in charge of Potiphar's entire household and things actually seem to be going well. He's put in charge of everything and at least as well as things can go as a slave until later in chapter 39, Potiphar's wife takes notice of Joseph. Scripture tells us that she notices him as this 
handsome young man, and he's strong, and he's attractive, and so she starts to go to him and saying, hey, come and sleep with me. And Joseph says, no, I would be a sin against my master and against my God. I would never do such a thing. And day after day, she continues to say the same thing to him, come and sleep with me. And finally, one day, she literally grabs him, and he runs from her, leaving his cloak in her hands. And when she sees that he's run out and he's left her cloak or his cloak in her hands, she accuses him of actually trying to rape her. And she tells her husband and her husband ends up throwing him in prison. And so wrongly accused and wrongly imprisoned is kind of where we find Joseph next. Check it out in verse 20. Joseph's master, that's Potiphar, took him and put him in prison, the place where king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord, once again, check it out, he's always with him. So his presence is with him. And he always has purpose. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. I, mean, I just want to make a, a, a few observations here. But here's the deal. Hard times or injustice, some of you need to hear this, is not a sign of God's absence. Hard times and injustice is not a sign of God's absence. I can imagine that Joseph might say, hey, uh, this is so unjust. I didn't do anything wrong. I've been wrongly imprisoned, wrongly accused. Where is God in the midst of it? And yet God is fully in the midst of this. During your life, you will probably face, I don't know, injustice. You'll probably be ripped off at some time in your life. You'll probably lose a job. Maybe you'll be demoted for something that you didn't do. Uh, maybe you'll be accused of something that you didn't do. Maybe you're, you're going to face a hard time of some sort. And here's what you need to know. God was actually with Joseph even in the injustice. And God is not absent just because you're going through a hard time. I think sometimes we do this. We go through a hard time and we're like, God has left me. God's abandoned me. Where's God in the midst of it? And I would say, just as we see all throughout Joseph's life, is God is right there with him. Romans 8, you remind yourself that he's working all things for the good of those who love him. From this place of injustice, God is actually giving a promotion. That's where this is going. See, how, how is Joseph going to get from the highest promoted position in a household to the highest promoted position over a kingdom? Well, it's just going to happen to be on the journey of injustice. Is going to be his journey toward that. If I could give you something to just think about this week, it would be this, is that I believe that God is more concerned about your promotion than your comfort. God's much more concerned about your promotion than your comfort. Now, when I say promotion, I'm not just talking about, in the earthly sense, being promoted at work or something like that. I'm talking about a kingdom promotion. God wants to promote you in his kingdom work, and he's got kingdom assignments for you to do, and he's much more concerned about you getting to that promotion than you being comfortable along your journey. That promotion could be a promotion in the power of your prayers, a promotion in your spiritual gifting capacity, a promotion in your leadership, a promotion in your influence, a promotion in your capacity to love, a promotion in your uh, perseverance, a promotion in fill in the blank, but it's a promotion in his kingdom, and that's not necessarily uh, on a journey that always is super comfortable. Now, here, here's a simple question for you. Anyone want a promotion? Come on. Almost everyone would be like, uh, after that, I know, you're all like, this is a trick question. You're like, yes, I want a promotion, but I think, no, seriously, how many of you want a promotion? 
You're like, yeah, of course I want a promotion. Yep. We're so quick to say yes, but God's journey to kingdom promotion uh, is often one of discomfort. But God's more concerned about your promotion than your comfort. And once again, God always provides a grace whenever you face a grave. And God is going to provide a grace for Joseph in the midst of uh, his journey through what it feels like another grave that he is facing. Okay, so now check out what happens. Remember, God gives him favor in the eyes of the warden. Next verse, so the warden ends up putting Joseph in charge of all those who were held in prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because, once again, the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. So we see his presence and we see his purpose always in the midst of the grave. That is the grace that God provides for us when we're in the midst of it. And so while he's in prison, I love it, Joseph's in charge of himself (laughs) and everyone else. And while he's there, there's two other prisoners uh, that actually, servants of, of Pharaoh that get thrown into prison. And while they're there, these two guys have some dreams and they share their dreams with Joseph. And Joseph actually interprets their dreams. For one of the guys, he's gonna lose his life. And for the other one, he is actually gonna be restored to his position of power. The cupbearer was his role. Let's check it out in the next verses. Uh, Chapter 40, verse 13. Within three days, he's talking to the cupbearer. Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, Remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I love how he ends this, that there may be a grace for him while he is there in prison, but notice Joseph's opinion of it. I still want out. How many of you have ever been in a grave for an extended period of time and you're like, you know what? God has provided me a grace here, but I still want out. It's still prison. And Joseph, while he's had a grace upon his life during that season, he still does want out. And so, uh, I don't know if you've ever been there where it feels like, where you're wondering, how much longer could this trial continue? How much longer could I be in this apparent grave? Uh, Have you ever felt like, how much longer can you handle this? How much longer will it feel like I am here? And what do you do when you are there? What do you do when you feel like I'm just stuck in this grave? Well, I would encourage you to do this. Keep asking for two things, God's presence and God's purpose to be revealed to you and keep trusting him in the midst of it. Yesterday, one of the silliest things happened. Uh, We were swimming in our backyard and my daughter, Eden, she's six years old. She had gone inside and she was looking for her swimsuit and couldn't find her swimsuit. So she couldn't come on out and swim. Now to a six-year-old, this is a grave experience right now. This is as bad as it gets. Can't find my swimsuit. And so she's inside and she was pouting. And I, we knew she was pouting, but we figured she'll find it and she'll come on out. She kept pouting the whole time, uh, but she decided to do something about her pouting. She decided, are you ready for this? It was pretty funny. She decided to write a letter to Jesus. So my, one of my older daughters, she uh, comes uh, driving home and she sees Eden out by the mailbox. And Eden is mailing this hand kind of written letter. It's not really a written letter. It's really pictures. It has a picture of Eden 
what she labeled as herself, with a tear in her eye. I just cracked me up. Tear in her eye. Uh, an angel hovering over her, and then she's got pictures of swimsuit bottom and a swimsuit top. And then she folded this thing together. She even put one of our return address uh, uh, stickers on the front of it, and she's sticking it in the mailbox. And she went up to Haley, who's sitting back here, and she goes, Haley, do you think they know how to get this to Jesus? And Haley's like, no, I don't think they do, but you can just talk to him right now. And here's what I love about it, though, is that right there in the midst of her grave, she's going, I know the person to talk to about my situation. I'm going to take it to Jesus. And as silly as that might sound, um, her grave was a silly thing. For some of you, you're facing a situation that feels like you've been in this prison for years. And I would encourage you in the same way, in the most simplistic childlike faith kind of step that you could take to continue to reach out to God and say, God, I need your presence. I need you to see your purpose in the midst of it. And he'll provide that for you. I'm confident that he will. And so while Joseph is like, I'm this close to getting out. And he told the cupbearer, don't forget me. You'll never believe what happens. The cupbearer forgets him. For two years, the cupbearer forgets about Joseph. Then Pharaoh ends up having two dreams. And he asks all the wise men in in the nation to interpret his dream, and no one can. And so uh, at that moment, the cupbearer remembers this guy Joseph in prison. And he tells Pharaoh about him. Pharaoh says, well, bring me this guy out of prison. And he brings Joseph in front of him. He, He tells him his dreams. Joseph interprets the dreams. And check this out in terms of how Uh, Pharaoh responds to Joseph. This is chapter 41, verse 39. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. And in this single moment, Joseph is promoted to the place of really second only to Pharaoh. Now there have been in, in the dream that Pharaoh had, it was revealed that there would be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. And so that happens. And Joseph leads Egypt through all of these years. And what ends up happening is during those years of famine, his brothers who don't live in Egypt, they start going hungry and they hear that Egypt has food. And so they actually travel to Egypt and they end up before Joseph. And they bow down before him. And remember those dreams that he had 23 years earlier. All of a sudden, they're coming to fulfillment. And it's in this moment that he actually could do anything to them. He could punish them. But he recognizes that God was using all of these years of trial for the good of the many. And he makes the statement in chapter 50 that we started with at the beginning. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. Remember Romans 8. God works for the good of those who love him. And are called according to his purposes. God is playing the long game. For our good in our lives. When I say playing the long game. That's a phrase that we often apply to sports. or When we're thinking about. Sometimes we'll take what looks like a loss. uh, Temporarily for the ultimate win. That. Sometimes it might feel like we're losing in this moment, but ultimately we're setting ourselves up for the win, and that's what God is doing in your life. It might feel like you're losing in an area right now, but God is ultimately setting you up for a win. I love watching um, 
Michael Phelps. He's the greatest and most decorated Olympian in swimming ever. And if you've ever watched his long races, they're so fun to watch because he would often sit kind of in second place for the first half or first three quarters of the race. And it was always during that final you know, half or final quarter of the race that he would just take off. And when they would ask him, why in the world do you just sit back for so long and then take off in the end? He would say, well, everyone else is just giving it their all during the first half of the race, and I'm gonna reserve something for the end so that at the end I can give it my all and I can win. And he was always playing the long game in his races. And God is playing the long game in your life. Whatever is ultimately for our best and for God's best is for our good. And that's what God's after in your life. You know, I even think about this season that we've been in here at church as we kind of get ready to come back in person. And this has been kind of a, a strange time where we might feel like, man, I don't, I don't know how God was working in the midst of all, all of this. But here for us, for us, we always had this dream and this thing that the Lord had put on our hearts. Even during MOVE, we were communicating it about expanding our digital footprint and pressing into the online space in a more purposeful way and doing it better. And all of a sudden, we just got thrown into the deep end. And for the last three months, we've moved faster, further than we could have ever done over an entire year even had we not Uh, just kind of been thrown into this. And so I look at this past season, I go, I think God is actually doing something incredible right now in the life of Lakeland through our digital experience, our online experience, and also in our lives personally. I think there are some things that God has really been teaching a ton of, a ton of us right now where we're, we've often said, you know, the church is not the building, the church is the people. And yet I think after three months, of not gathering in person, I think we're starting to get that. I think we're starting to understand what it really means to be a people that, uh, where revival starts not necessarily within the walls, but it starts within the hearts of the individual. I think we're starting to get some things that are actually for our good that we would have probably never dreamt. Hey, you want to know what I want to do? I want to close the doors of the church for three months. And yet I think, I really believe it has been for our good. And I know that the Lord is up to something in your life. The Lord loves us so much, he'll never leave us where we're at. He'll always put us into a different scenario, a different situation to propel you forward. And it may not be comfortable, um, but it will be for your good. The journey is not always fun, but if we keep our eyes focused on him, he'll produce something in us that we too will look back at the end and say, that was for our good. You know, the worship team, they're going to lead us in this song, Graves into Garden. And I would encourage you, turn up the music loud and sing along. I I pray that this is one of those moments that you actually kind of uh, put a stake in the sand and say, this season that I'm going through is going to be uh, for God's good. I'm recognizing it as such. He's producing something in me in this moment, and it will be for my good. So as they prep and they get ready uh, to lead us in song, would you just pray with me right now? Because I'm going to just pray some of these lyrics over you even. Heavenly Father, we pray over every person who's listening. Right now, many who are going through what feels like grave moments. They are trials that feel like they could just swamp them. I pray a triumph in the midst of it. It feels like a defeat, but you're bringing a victory. We declare some of the words even of, these, of this song, 
that the mourning that we're going through, you're going to turn into dancing. The, the ashes that we're facing, you're going to turn into beauty. The shame that I feel, you're going to turn into glory. The graves that I'm going through, you're going to turn into a garden. The bones that I feel, you're going to raise to an army. The seas that are in front of us, you're going to turn into highways. You're going to be turning our trials into a triumph. And for some who feel like they have been in the grave for way too long, I pray that you would reveal your presence to them and your purpose, what you're accomplishing in them, prepping them for, perhaps leading them into a moment of promotion right now. God's more concerned about your promotion than your comfort. So we say, Lord Jesus, to whatever plan that is necessary that we got to go through for you to accomplish your good, we say yes to it. We're all in. But we recognize you're going to do some amazing things in us. You're going to turn the graves into gardens. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. If you'd like to partner with Lakeland in helping people follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and commit their lives to the mission of Jesus, you can contribute to the mission by visiting lakeland.church forward slash give.